we are bike. Welcome to another episode of the Ace of Spades Dynasty League Pod. Turn that shit up, man. Y'all know who the fuck it is, man. It's the host with the most Cam, aka the Dynasty Demigod, aka the Ace of Spades Thanos, aka the nigga with four of them things, aka Mr. You fuck with me. You fucking with the best. Follow me on Twitter at Cam's Not Sober. And I'm not alone. I am joined by the Kurt Cashy, aka the Ace of Spades 2020 World Champion, aka Danny's Big Homie, aka Mr. Tick, your best player, send you into a rebuild. And make you call it a quit after 10 years in Ace of Spades. Kurt, what's good? What's good, bro? Chilling, bro. Uh, <laughs> we have to run this back because I was having some feedback issues. But I'm going to ask you the same icebreaker I asked you during the first take. If you could be any superhero or supervillain, who would it be? I'm going to go with Black Panther again, man. It's because, um, you know, I mean, he's rich. He runs a nation, and you think about it, man. Like the first few Avengers movie, all that stuff was happening in in New York and all of that. He was in Wakanda, bro. Rich, chilling with, with superpowers, bro. I mean, that's hard. Yeah, he, he said, yeah, "That's not my business." Yeah, what's going yeah, on over there is not my business, bro. Imagine, imagine Black Panther as a as a running back, bro. Imagine T'Challa as an NFL running back. Goat. I mean, we saw him with the, you know. Yeah, with, with, with that, the gauntlet, with that dead leg with the gauntlet. Yeah, yeah that was bro. sick. That was sick. Yeah, uh, on the first take, I, I'll use the same superhero I use on the first take. It's Superman, but minus the minus the shitty life, you know, chasing around the plain Jane Lois Lane and working <laughs> at the fucking Daily Planet. I'm not doing none of that shit. Um, I'm I'm big homie, bro. If it's a war to be fought, dang, pay me pay me a billion, bro. That's about what it's gonna cost you, you know. Anyway, that you know. Send all these strike teams over to these, um, uh, um, these countries we're at war with. Just pay me a billion dollars. I'll go over there. I, I, I handle whoever you want me to handle, bro. I'm not working for no motherfucking newspaper, though. That's dead. Super dead. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be the 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 U.S. hitter, bro. I mean, I, 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 I love my country, even though it don't always love me back. Send, send me over <laughs> there. I, I'll handle your boys. But uh, all right, let's get into some. Hey, but actually, before we get into any NFL news and notes or the Ace of Spades news and notes, this is not necessarily an icebreaker, but it's a random question I just thought about because, like, I have you on the show and you own this player in Ace of Spades. I've been seeing a lot of crazy trades on both ends of the spectrum with Cam Akers. Some trades I think people are overpaying for Cam Akers and uh, some trades where I think that people are selling him, you know, considerably lower than than I would just given the circumstances. In Dynasty right now, do you want Cam Akers or Trey Sermon? Uh, Trey Sermon. But it's it's weird because I, I say Trey Sermon, but if Isaiah 
Hate I would decline it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I really, I think Trey Sermon for me. I think if I had Cam and somebody sent Trey Sermon, I think I'd take it. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. I sent um, Jerry Judy, Cam Akers, and a second round pick. A future. I sent Jerry Judy, Cam Akers, and a future second round pick for Justin Jefferson and a third round pick in another league. And I feel like that was even value or, you know. I don't feel like um, I sold Cam Akers low. And if he comes back and he's, you know, RB1, then, you know, whatever. I, I, yeah. I eliminated the risk. I for sure would do that trade if uh, if I was you. Yeah, I feel I feel pretty good about it. You know, there's there's the, the caveat that Cam Akers comes back and he's, you know, the exception to the rule that the Achilles tear is a death sentence for running backs. And in that case, you know, I avoided all the risk and I, I can just – you know, take that take that L like no problem. Anyway, let's get into some more um, relevant topics, some real football topics. Talk about Devontae Adams and his contract situation. So you are also the GM that owns Devontae Adams in Ace of Spades. How do you feel about, you know, the long-term contract talks, at least for now, going on pause in Green Bay? I mean, I'm fine with that. If uh, I mean, if long term, if uh, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be there, then I don't care, you know, for Devontae Adams to be there either. I think he's a good enough wide receiver that he could go, I mean, pretty much anywhere and still be, like, productive, you know. I mean, he doesn't have to be in Green Bay to do that. So um, I know we talked about it earlier, and you said um, there's still a possibility they could franchise tag him. So that would be disappointing um, if he wanted to go elsewhere and they did that. But I don't, you know, the only reason why I would want him to stay in Green Bay to, uh, would be to be tied to Aaron Rodgers. So if Aaron Rodgers is not going to be in Green Bay, then I don't care about Devontae Adams being there either. Yeah, I think I think Jordan Love as a quarterback would be a considerable downgrade. So if we're looking at next year and, you know, Devontae Adams is, is still in Green Bay and, you know, Aaron Rodgers is not. I mean, this this dude could like Jordan Love could be he could be awful, bro. Like he could he could suck. He wasn't active on any games like last year. Uh, Tim Boyle was the was the backup to Aaron Rodgers, and it doesn't seem like he's made much progress. You know, going into to year two, just based on what we saw in um, early minicamp reports back in May. So I don't know, but you know, thirty year old Devontae Adams next season playing with. A non-Aaron Rodgers QB, I'm not very excited about that either, though I think he could still retain wide receiver one value. Um, next, Michael Thomas could miss weeks recovering from ankle surgery that he had back in June. This one's pretty interesting because some news reports out of New Orleans came out that some of this could have been intentional. Like, Michael Thomas knew that there was a possibility that you know surgery would be required to heal this injury, and he waited in, until June intentionally to have the, the surgery so he could, you know, essentially pull a Scottie Pippen and be unavailable for the team when the season starts. I mean, I had the same thought. I was going to ask you, like, why didn't he just get the surgery sooner? Like, I don't know. I, I know I know things were tense between Michael Thomas and the, and the Saints organization last year, and, you know, it looks like it's, it's spilling over into this year. So he, is he going to A.J. Green me, bro? 
Is he gonna is he gonna be two weeks away from being two weeks away all next season? Man, I if like just looking at the way he handled the situation, that's a possibility for sure. I, I mean, think I think it is. I mean it's it's starting to make me, you know, I have I have Michael Thomas in every league except uh nice. except one. So I have him in every single dynasty league that I'm that I'm in except one. So four out of five, but um. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think I think it's a possibility. And if I'm Michael Thomas, bro, I'm, bro, he, I have a choice to play with Jameis or Taysom Hill. I mean, I'm not really rushing back. I wouldn't either. And uh, you know, um, what's his contract situation? Is that a he money just got thing? paid? That- no, no, he just got paid uh, two years ago. He just got paid. He got a year a year ago. Actually, he got ninety million. Uh, or hundred, ninety or hundred. Man, hey, bro. If it was me throwing it back, like throwing it to him out there, bro, you better get his ass back in, back out there, man. I don't know what, what man, he got he has, going on. Yeah, several years left on his deal. So yeah. Anyway, uh, Xavier Jones. Is this the the RB from the Rams? Um, that backup that I said was trash. I think you picked him up actually. Says he moves up. Obviously, he wasn't the direct backup, but he was the backup to the backup. Apparently, he's the second year UDFA, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, what do you what do you, we talked briefly about Cam Akers and I think we're going backwards in the news because the Cam Akers Achilles injury is is down there a few spots. But um, Xavier Jones, Daryl Henderson is is the presumed starter. What do you think about this whole Rams backfield situation? And you know, where do you think the value is in this backfield? And do you think they'll bring somebody else in? Um, so I'm kind of conflicted. I remember last year Sean McVay said that he had three running backs that he felt could be starters, Daryl Henderson and Jones being two of the three and Cam Akers being the other one. Um, or, or was that Malcolm, Malcolm Brown? Brown? Malcolm Brown was the one, so he didn't even say Jones. But I think he said good things about Jones too, if I remember correctly. So it's like, um, yeah, I, I you know, if it's a situation where I, I feel like the Rams are in a situation right now where they don't really have any anybody that's like – super talented back there, uh, Jones or Henderson. So it's definitely not, like, uh, unrealistic to think that they would bring somebody else in. But I don't know that they necessarily need to. If McVay feels strongly about Henderson and Jones, I just think that um, – I don't know. I think we'll get a better idea once, uh, like, once we start approaching preseason on how they feel about – both of those backs because I think I don't think that uh, they determine just yet whether or not they feel like they can get it done with those two. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Daryl Henderson. I think he's a I think he's a decent player, and I also understand that the Rams told us how they felt about Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson's ability to be a workhorse by drafting Kim Akers in the early second round last year. Mm-hmm. So. I think they bring somebody in, and this is a team that also doesn't care about draft capital, so I could see them sending, like, a future pick or some shit for some running back. And there will be running backs that come available as well, like, through preseason and camp and all that. So, I don't know. I think Daryl Henderson, through it all, like, ultimately he's going to have the more valuable role. But he's 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 limited from a production standpoint, I feel like, because I don't I don't think he profiles as a, as a three-down back. I know there were issues with him in pass pro um, for the last couple years. Um He's he's not a three down back in that sense. Not saying that he's not capable of catching passes or or you know rushing uh, well, but the the little things um, that that some of those like Geo Bernard type backs are able to do, like being 
really good in pass protection and, and shit. Like, so make Zeke so valuable because he never had to come off the field. He was one of like the best uh, pass pro prospects at the running back position. Like, that's that's one of the things that people loved about him coming out of Ohio State. Uh, Daryl Henderson doesn't have that three down profile. He's like a slasher. Like he's he's a he's a change of pace back. So I'm not really sure how much of this work they're going to give him. But if he's getting 55 percent of the carries, I mean that's in in, the, in what we presume will be a good offense. That's a pretty valuable role. So it's going to be interesting to see how this situation uh, uh, shakes out. Anyway, Brian Edwards, wide receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders, is a secret weapon. Yeah, it's going to be a, a very well-kept secret, my brother. <laughs> Kurt, I'm going to tell you like this. I'm here to tell you right now, we don't care. Let me tell, right, let me tell you, we don't care. <laughs> Bro, I, don't give a, I don't give a fuck, man. I mean, I think you said in the chat the other day, Derek Carr doesn't throw to his fucking wide receivers, bro. I mean, he could be something like maybe if he ascends, like wide receiver three territory, but I'm not very excited. Adrian Peterson staying patient. Um, who knows, man? Adrian Peterson could sign with the Rams, and that could give them their – you know, between the tackles, bruiser on, you know, heavy, heavy one down usage and then mix Daryl Henderson in like who the fuck knows. But Adrian Peterson will probably land somewhere. And the last bit of news I'll take. Actually, we can go down a few more. We got time. This episode shouldn't take very long. Cole Beasley isn't a sure thing uh, in terms of camp. Then he comes back out yesterday and says that he's going to play unless they cut him. So this is not really not really relevant, is it? Yeah, man, you could damn near play the same drop that you just played for. for this <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so tired of hearing about Cole Beasley, bro. Jesus, man. Bro, he said, he said one of the best. He's like, yeah, it makes sense for the team to, to cut one of the best, if not the best, slot receivers in the game. Boy, boy, shut your pencil grip chin ass. So shut the <laughs> fuck up, nigga. Hey, you trash, dude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cole Beasley, bro. I don't, I don't care about you, brother. A.J. Dillon will do a lot more. Um, Pats, wait. Uh, I mean, Aaron Jones is still there. He's still the lead back. He's going to command, you know, 55%. I will say when, when in, you know, before last year, before they drafted A.J. Dillon the year before that, like 90% of the running back carries went to uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal. Jamal, what's his name? Jamal Williams? Yeah. Yep. They didn't have, they didn't mix a third back in. So if it's going to be like that in like a 55-45 split, then he could have some some value, I guess, is like, Standalone flex value, but I don't know. He doesn't have a ceiling unless something happens to, to Aaron Jones. So, this is a player that I'm not really getting too excited about. Saquon Barkley begins camp on the PUP list, the PUP list. I mean, this is not very surprising. He's coming back off a gruesome injury. The Giants were clear all through the summer that they were going to ease him in. So, this pretty much aligns with, with the narrative that started, you know, several months ago. Amari Cooper and Demarcus Lawrence both opened up on the pup list. I don't think it's a surprise for Amari Cooper either. He had the ankle surgery. This was always a potential outcome. And let's do this one and we'll wrap up because we're already 15 minutes in talking about news. Steelers put more emphasis or Steelers to put more emphasis on the run. I don't know about this one, bro. As long as Big Ben is at the helm, they're just going to pass the ball because, I mean, that's what Big Ben likes to do. And, you know. Um, I talked about this in a previous pod, but, you know, Steelers RBs aren't extremely valuable because the team is so run heavy. It's because they give all of their rushing work to, like, one guy. So I don't think this means anything for Najee Harris's workload. He's going to get a ton of work, but I don't think the team's going to be more run heavy. Maybe emphasis on the run means that they're going to focus on having more success in the run game because their offensive line was so shit. But they're not going <laughs> to switch to a run heavy team, especially not behind that offensive line. Anyway. 
Let's get into some Ace of Spades open discussion. We don't really have any news and notes. Actually, we do have news. You know, I posted this in the chat, but to everyone who didn't get a, get a chance to to catch up on the chat yet, we're doing an Orphan GM contest. So out of the six new, bro, six new GMs. Fuck. Out of the six new GMs, whoever has the Best season as voted on by their peers will receive a cash prize of one hundred and seventy five dollars. And actually, I'm gonna roll that. I'm gonna roll this this second and third place in and do seventy five dollars to second place because like whoever's third is probably dog shit anyway. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like these niggas, yeah. these niggas aren't nasty, bro. <laughs> like you got you got V's. He rarely makes moves and. You know, um, Mook, he, he made moves and like the last one he made was super shitty. So I don't think he, like, I'm not giving, I'm not giving anything to, the, to these niggas. So first, first place, $175, second place, $75. So that'll be incentive to, you know, the new guys to, to focus up and, and whether that's going into a rebuild or, or building a win now team, however they decide to strategize and build, build their rosters will be the judge of how successful uh, whatever uh, uh, their goal is. Uh, other than that, bro, I really just wanted to hop on this segment and talk about, you know, all the changes that we've made in Ace of Spades, over, all the changes that I've made really over the past month, particularly with, with Ray's team. And we went from Ray to Crispy, God, God rest his soul, to D. Churro. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Red Raider. You know what's super weird about the Red Raider dude, redrafter or redacted, whatever the fuck his name was. That dude, <laughs> that, that, he creeped me out, bro. Because we would be in the chat talking so heavy, and he would just be reading the chat. Yeah, yeah. He didn't really say much. He was a yeah, a lurker for sure. He was a, and that's weird. G. First of all, no offense, Burke, Andy. First of all, you niggas are already Caucasian, bro. So it's already <laughs> it already makes me a little uneasy, you know, because you know, this Ace of Spades like Wakanda, bro. We open the doors of Wakanda, you know, give them all fuckers robotic arms and shit. But if you just gonna be in there when we talking and then just sitting in the chat just looking, uh, that's weird, bro. It's his time was up. And then what's so funny is, bro, I, I, I guess Burke joined the league and he really didn't know what the fuck was going on because I kept smoking people and that dude, he would hop in a chat. He was like. Well, gosh, man, what the heck did he do? He was just so confused, man. He was like, well, gosh, darn it, man. Is the trade that bad? He was just so, he was so mind blown. I'm like, hey, man, re- relax, man. Like, uh, take a deep, hey, what Meek say? Take a deep breath. I know what I'm doing. Like, gee, I'm, I'm getting the league right, bro. Re- relax. Yeah, he, man. You got the 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 D whatever his name is. Man, you got him out of here. That was so funny. So yeah. <laughs> that, that definitely was the way Burke reacted. He was like, "Man, was this trade that bad?" <laughs> Bro, Burke was tilted. He was like, "What the fuck?" He's like, "Like that one that one uh, gif I sent to the chat. Like, what the fuck?" Like the the white like trailer park looking dude. Like, yeah, Burke was confused. Like, no, man. You know, we we've had the same ownership in Ace of Spades for so many years. You know, before this past summer, uh, you know. Ninety uh, percent of the league have been in the been in the league for you know four years or longer, and you know eight eight out of the twelve GMs have been in the league for nine years. So 
this is the first time that Ace of Spades has had a ton of turnover. And I wanted to do it all in one swing. Like the 2020 draft is going to be a little wonky with the, you know, compensatory picks that we have the four uh, that we have in the first round. And I wanted to get them all out of the way so we don't have to continue to do this like year in and year out, like pushing draft picks back because nobody wants that. And um, it was important to me to find, you know, a really good group. And I feel like, I mean, I feel like we have a good group. I mean, there are a couple weak links that I could probably identify right now. But for the most part, I mean, this is the most solid group and more balanced group, you know, than we've had in the past. At least I feel like the personalities have changed, you know, so there is a lot of history that, that left with the guys that um, were removed and departed from Ace of Spades. But in terms of the league dynamic, I mean, I think this is probably going to be the best year. I can say that pretty confidently. Yeah, I would have to agree. And, you know, it's funny because, yeah, like some of the history did leave, but I mean, some of the people that left didn't even really know the other GMs like that. So, Man. you know, like BT knew all of the people he went to high school with, and that was pretty much the, the end of that. He didn't really know anybody else. Uh, what's the Tay Brian? He didn't know. Uh, he didn't know who Danny was. Yeah, he he didn't know anybody that was that was added after me and Jamal. Really, like so true. You know, like, yeah, 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 so. yeah. Them niggas, them niggas just kind of trash, bro. Like <laughs> BT is my dog, bro. But at, at Dynasty and as a league mate, he was a he was an awful league mate. And he he tried, you know, he tried to kick it up towards the end when the when the when the heat was on. When I started, you know, I thought that was hilarious too. Like I told everybody, you know, at the end of last season, I was like, hey. I think it's time finna be up, bro. I'm sick of some of y'all, bro. Like seriously, like year in and year out, I'm telling y'all niggas the same shit, and y'all still like, y'all y'all don't think fat meat is greasy. And then I start kicking people, and motherfuckers text me like, "Hey, where? Would you? Why'd you? Why'd you kick so and so?" I told you what I was finna do, man. You thought yeah. I was playing? Yeah, it's like you ever you ever like uh, talk to a girl and like you say like something to her and it's kind of mean, and she just says, "No, oh, you so funny." <laughs> that's kind of yeah. that's kind of everybody was doing you like uh cam you so hilarious it's like rob bro and i was bro and i was i was dead ass and then like i think the people really started to get serious when when ray got smoked and they was like wait you for real i'm like yeah nigga, what you, you think i'm chicken shit <laughs> like yeah, yeah I'm for I, real, nigga. that uh that escalated kind of quickly. You know, I didn't really. I thought y'all were, you know, just joking around. So I did. I definitely did text you on the side and say, like, "Yo, did you really kick Ray?" But yeah, yeah. I mean, I understood like why why it had to happen. I know it was deeper than just that conversation y'all were having in the moment. So yeah, one hundred percent. That that conversation was like maybe ten percent of it, bro. Like if that. You know, he was he was somebody. I mean, we we talked about this offline. I told Ray to his face. You know, at the end of the draft season when I was pushing people to just get more engaged and, and lock in, you know, it's only two, it's only one or two requirements to, to be valid in the ACE of spades. Seriously. You either have to be incredibly active in the chat and engage, or you have to be nasty at what you do. Period. Yeah. I don't care if you, ha- I don't care if you have two words to say in the chat for a month, if you're running your team at a high level and, and you know how to execute, like from a dynasty perspective, a strategy perspective. Um, but just to be, you know, scarce socially in the chat, not engage, you know, not lift the league up in that regard. And then you're running this, you know, uh, treadmill of mediocrity, you know, as, as, as a franchise. I mean, like, what are you doing here? You're not adding any value to the league. It's very simple, you know, to stay off my shit list. And um, 
you know, I love Ace of Spades. It's, it's, it's a good league. You know, I know I know my league is better than any other league that, that I've ever participated in. And people appreciate Ace of Spades when they join. Um, so I know what, what we have in the league. I'm not going to let anybody sit here and, like, just, just mooch because they, they want to they be here, you know. Like, BT was one of the toughest guys to remove because he was so passionate about staying in the league. He just, he just never really met the expectations. But anyway, let's wrap up this episode, bro. But before we wrap up, and obviously, when you guys listen to this, you know that we didn't put a lot of preparation into this pod. We just wanted to put something out because it's getting closer and closer to the season. And we want to start kicking up these podcasts. But before we wrap up, we're going to get into some Ace of Spades transactions. We obviously have several new GMs, as we just pointed out at the beginning of the episode. So let's talk about some of the transactions that have been made since the infusion of new GMs into the league. But real quick, Kurt, since... Training camp did actually start for two teams, the Steelers and the Cowboys. I'm just here to let you know, CeeDee Lamb, what he been doing, he going to end Amari Cooper career. Uh, I'm just, I'm going to let you know live right now. Uh, bro, I mean, hey, man, I wouldn't be surprised, bro, this nigga, man. <laughs> this pup-ass nigga, man. Always, <laughs> always, always hobbled, bro. Like, hey, if... if if CD can stay healthy for 17 games, like, yeah, it's going to be over for Mark Cooper anyway because he only going to play 14 or 13. It's a weak-ass nigga. Bro, you know what, what's crazy about Mark Cooper? We we know him as this we, – we we perceive him as this, you know, pristine route runner, this super, you know, well-established technician in the league. And, you know, Matt Harmon does his reception perception every year, and – Amari Cooper is like below league average in a lot of those categories. I think his route tree was like majority green, but his success rate versus press and man coverage is like really low every year. He's like he's been looked at as a mediocre route runner. So you know what that reminded me of? You know how we always making fun of uh like basketball players, like not professional basketball players, but when you're on the court in a pickup game and some dude just doing a bunch of dribbling but he ain't really doing nothing. But he's saying yeah. <laughs> when he dribbling like, <laughs> Yeah, it's like I feel like that's Amari Cooper at the line. He'd be like, ah, 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 but just not really like going anywhere. <laughs> uh, see, with him, man, it's like uh, I don't. Know, I could see why like uh, coaches kind of get irritated with him. Yeah, because if he went out there, man, every like and and he just had that 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 mentality where he was like, I'm gonna play 100 percent like every play. Yeah, like I think. He probably could be because when he is like running routes and it's like and it's good, it's real good. Yeah. But when it's when it's not like it's I mean, he just disappears sometimes. Like, and, you know, yeah. I don't know, you know, like uh, like if the stats factor factor that I mean, I, I know they don't. But it's like, I don't know, just watching him play is like I've seen games where like he'll be matched up with a corner and like be tearing the corner up. Yeah, like, the, you know, like the Jair Alexander, Alexander game. Uh-huh. Yeah, but like then you see other games, and it's like it just looks like he's not even really trying, you know. Yeah, and uh, to to give Jair credit because I think he's a top three DB in the league. You know, it's it's difficult to cover guys, you know, out of the slot and out of the flanker, and and that are coming off the line in motion. You know, that's how you know you can you can always tell who's like a real good football, like who um, really understands the game because we think back to the um, Packers versus. Uh, Rams game when when Devontae Adams caught that touchdown on Jalen Ramsey and everybody was like, oh, Devontae Adams burnt, but he he had to you know Jalen had to run all the way across the formation because Devontae was was in the flanker position and put in motion. 
You know, so when a chess piece like Amari, he's a he's a great flanker, but like in terms of him being an elite like alpha receiver, um, I don't think he's that type of route runner or technician because I, I don't think he can win outside consistently against like corners like that. Nope, yeah. I don't think so either. Anyway, he spent three minutes on Amari Cooper. I don't really, I don't care about Amari Cooper. But um, let's get into the trades, new GMs, new strategies, shaking up the league and and and. Making the market pop a little bit more So let's start off with some of the trades that were made Let's start with the First trade That was made when Elmo left, right? That's the Derrick Henry trade Yeah, so um, Justin uh, Received David Montgomery um, Mooks 2022 first And Isaiah's 2023 second and third In exchange for Derrick Henry we and have I, been uh, hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok, and flat out deceived. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about the trade, man? Uh, I mean, and it, you know, um, I just feel like you know, for me, I really struggled with uh, paying up to get Derrick Henry, just because I just know that year is coming where like. You know, it's just not gonna happen. Like, like where, where he's not gonna be, you know, get the three hundred carries and lead the league in rushing. Like, I just I, I know that year is coming, so like I probably wouldn't have paid that much. But I also understand it from Isaiah's perspective too, because if he believes that next year Derrick Henry is gonna do anything similar to what he did in the previous year, then yeah, like that. I mean, that's kind of the price. Like even for you know, even if you're viewing it as like a one, one or one or two year thing, like that's that's the price. Yeah, for sure. I didn't think the price was super egregious, and I I do like getting un, I do like getting from underneath Monty because I th- I think like Monty he's he's fine, like he's whatever. But a lot of things yeah. had to break right for him to reach the heights that he did last year, and we we don't have to get in, into too much of that because um, just for the sake of time, but. You know, with with Justin Fields eventually being at the helm, and we we understand how that impacts uh, running backs. Um, positive for efficiency, but usually less in total points because you know getting vultured at the goal line and the fact that mobile quarterbacks don't check down to running backs as much and things like that. Plus, the added target competition or the added touch squeeze in the backfield with Damian Williams and Tariq Cohen if he ever gets healthy. I mean. We just don't know what to expect from Monty, and he's also going into year three, so I don't know. If I'm Isaiah, maybe I'm sending that deal for a fucking wide receiver, maybe, <laughs> because his wide receivers are Godwin Chark, and he's dependent on rookies after that, like Smitty and things. I mean, he has five starting running backs on his roster, so I don't know. My thing is with Derrick Henry, if you're paying up for him at this at this age, even if you're buying that, that top five production, he finished as, what, RB three or four and he let the league in Russian players like that just don't have top one ceilings. He, he just, he just yeah. doesn't, he just doesn't catch passes, you know? So, yeah. I, yeah. yeah I, I agree. Like I, I didn't like that. I think last year was like probably that had to be the ceiling, right? I think that's like the ceiling. 2000 yards. yards. Yeah. He's not even in a 17 game slate. Like he's just, I don't think he's rushing. We don't know what's going to happen, but I don't think he's rushing for two thousand yards again. So, yeah, we won't we won't go through and grade these trades. I think the trade's fine. I think I think it adds to Isaiah's win rate this year, but structurally, I'm not sure that was a 
a great trade. Just based on what he gave up, I think he could have got more stability at wide receiver, which I think is a, bit, a bigger need than, than upgrading the RB because he has so many RB options. He just has so much in his in his in his toolkit in terms of um, um, value at the RB position to be able to turn that into you know a sustainable option uh, at wide receiver. Anyway, let's go to the next trade, bro. I don't have these in front of me, so I'll let you take uh, take over and read these off. Next trade is the one that I made, so I sent away two seconds mine and Cam's for Ronald Jones. So, <laughs> so basically, two thirds for Ronald Jones. Yeah, I think that trade is like whatever. Like I, I didn't really feel like great about it, but it's whatever. Like I mean, I'm pretty much if Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette, one of them goes down, I'll plug one of them in my lineup. If not, like both of them are just sit on my bench. That's pretty much like uh, what I'm thinking about that. Yeah, and you could potentially have a need to because your RB room is a bit more shallow now. All right, let's go to the next one. So the next one was uh, Justin received Jalen Hurts in exchange for Jameis Winston, his 2024 first, and uh, Isaiah's 2023 second. Damn, there was a second in there too? Yeah. We have been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok, and flat out deceived. I don't really like that trade. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't like the trade because Justin's cupboard is so bare with draft capital, and he has so many volatile options on his team already, and none of these guys really have job security, uh, perceived job security going into next year. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Um, uh, I didn't mention that trade was uh, with Burke. That's who. He, that's who he made the oh, trade yeah. with, and um, I, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think I've been like. Uh, vocal about my thoughts about Jalen Hurts. I just, I'm not really a believer, but I think that, you know, if you are, this is not like an astronomical price. No, for sure. Yeah, I I just think there's a, there's a significant chance that this dude is like, you know, not even the start of week 12 this season. Yeah. There's just so much, there's just so much risk with an asset like that. Not, you know, Justin texted me about this trade before he made it. And I told him, I said, you know, this quarterback could be, you know, not out of the league technically, but you know he could he could be a backup next season, or he could be fucking Lamar Jackson. I mean, he, he, the variance is just so so high. And if you're making an upside play like this, like sending a future first and second round pick for a player, I would think you would want more stability throughout the rest of your roster. That's like my only reservation it's not the trade in a vacuum because the trade in a vacuum i mean it could be looked at as a steal some people have Jalen hurts as a top 10 dynasty qb and if he's that then justin just robbed burke i just i just don't believe i just don't believe that he is and you know they have three first round picks next year they could they could very well go get you know deshaun watson if his legal situation is cleared or they could you know move up in the draft and take uh a quarterback with with a better profile better passing profile so anyway um jury is going to be out on this one for a while it's going to be an interesting uh trade to watch throughout the season and it, it all depends on you know how um how long Jalen Hurts holds on to his job all right next trade Kurt the next trade is uh and get your we don't care button ready for this one the next trade know. is Anthony Schwartz for Salvin Ahmed and that was between you and Burke oh my god I'm here to tell you right now we don't care. Let me tell, right, let me tell you. Bro, you know what's crazy is as much as much attention as I pay to prospects and fantasy football and player values and shit. When I got this trade, I was just like so confused. From Burke, I was like, "Why the fuck do you want Salvin Ahmed?" And then I was like, 
I don't want Anthony Schwartz though. Like he's ass. Like Anthony Schwartz is like one of those players that you know he's he's gonna finish his rookie year with like thirty catches for fucking you know two hundred and eighty eight yards. I mean he's 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 not. They don't they don't have a high passing volume offense, and you know Odell Beckham and, and Jarvis Landry are at least there through you know the the twenty twenty one season. So I don't know. This is trade was meaningless. I guess. But I took the lottery ticket because I know what Salvin Ahmed is. He's a sub, you know, um, um, athlete at the RB position, back it up, Miles Gaskin. I mean, you you get the handcuff appeal if you're if you're Burke and you have, you know, that backfield sewn up if you believe that Ahmed is the direct backup. So I got the player with more variance and more upside, I guess, but Burke got the more. I think, I think Salvin Ahmed is going to have some usable weeks. I'm not sure Anthony Schwartz will ever have a usable week. So that trade was pretty meaningless. Anyway, go ahead uh, to the next one, bro. Next one, we got Burke and Mook. Uh, with, uh, so Burke receives Robert Woods and Mook's 2023 third. And he sent away um, Austin Hooper and your 2022 second. <laughs> Bro, why did, why did Mook throw in a pick? Why did he throw in a pick? Man, hey, I have no idea. And I, I have... I this when I saw this trade, I was just uh, I was just confused. I mean, got uh, an offense that's super run heavy that has three three possible starting tight ends um, and a quarterback that has never thrown over four thousand yards in a season in exchange for like a a, a borderline wide receiver one and a pick. I, I just I didn't understand this trade at all. Like from Mook's perspective, for Burke, it was it was a robbery in my opinion. It was a highway robbery. And then let me t- let me talk to Burke because I know he gonna, he's going to listen to this podcast. And Burke, look, man, this me you talking to, bro. Don't come in. Don't come in my motherfucking chat talking about some. <laughs> <laughs> seem to be sleeping on Hooper. Like, I'm a fin- Burke. I'm a finesse, bro. You don't don't come in here trying to play up under me like that. Tell me. <laughs> Seem to be sleeping on Hooper here a bit. I'm not sleeping on nobody, nigga. You finesse Mook, bro. Like, come on now. This me. Yeah, I mean, like, what's Hoop like? Yeah, uh, and he brought up the the stats from when he played in Atlanta. It's like, bro, <laughs> the, bro, Matt Ryan, like, and, and no exaggeration, bro. Like, Baker Mayfield will finish the season with like 3,500 passing yards and. Matt Ryan will finish with forty. Like he literally throws for like a thousand more yards. Over a thousand so more. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, what are we talking about? And then the 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 you know the like you mentioned they they have like three starting startable tight ends. I mean, they got really like four startable tight ends, bro. Because some of their players all like occupy the same area of the field. Like I'm I'm, I'm counting Jarvis Landry as like that fourth tight end because the the the, the tight ends had a 27 percent target share on that team that that led the NFL and Hooper still only finished his tight end 22 or something like that which is that's not even that's not even a starter starter caliber tight end so you know I know he had a stretch towards the end of the season where he he received like a ton of increased volume and like Odell was hurt and I forget who else was like they were throwing the tight ends plus Donovan Peoples-Jones like they had no choice and he was still you know fine but Hooper's just a guy, you know, and Robert Woods has been a, a fringe wide receiver one for several seasons. That was just, that was a really bad trade for Mook just because of the situation his team is in. And he lost a ton of value because he could have flipped Robert Woods to a contender. I mean, Isaiah needs a wide receiver too, like badly. And that would have been a perfect deal for Isaiah to be able to send a future first round pick 
for Robert Woods because I think he's worth a future first. Yeah, I, I mean, even I would have been interested in getting uh, Robert Woods. I mean, I tried Definitely. to get Cooper Cooper Cup from Burton, but I, I would take Robert Woods too. Uh, but for sure, and it, yeah, now I'm. I'm not trading for either one of them now that Burke has them, but I would have given I would have Yeah, fuck that. And then and then and then Burke said Woods is twenty nine. Like like he's, he's that so he's got three more years left. So so why do you want him? You're a rebuild. <laughs> hey, Burke. You ain't you see that's hey. that's hey, that's that's when he, he kinda shit on his own argument there. So why why are you a rebuilding team exactly. trading for a twenty nine year old wide receiver? Why are you willing to do that? Uh, Burke's a funny guy. I like it. Hey, welcome to the league, man. All right, Kurt, what's the next trait? Burke again, my friend. Uh, uh, here we go. So, uh, Buck sent no, Buck received Hunter, Hunter Renfro in the 2022 third in exchange for Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that trade. I like that trade for, uh, for Buck. That's 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 a zero zero trade to me. Like I th- I think for Burke it could work work out too because you know in the event that Gronk is you know healthy and he catapults himself into the top ten tight end conversation and he's a passable tight end, like somebody will give up at least that value back to get him like a third round pick or something. You know. But other than that, I mean that trade is a like we don't care. Um what's the next one, bro? So the next one was between uh, Jay White and uh, one entrepreneur Negro. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta figure out do his name, bro, because entre- calling him entrepreneur nigga every fucking time we speak his name. <laughs> All right, what, what, was, what was the trade? Uh, so it was uh, Deontay Johnson in the second. That's what Justin received in exchange for Keenan Allen. Yeah, what are your thoughts about this trade? Because I got, I got mixed like feedback. Like some people thought it was a, like a steal for. Um, Entrepro Negro, and then some people thought you know it was a steal on the other end. What do you what do you think about the trade? I thought it was pretty even. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think it's a steal for either one. I uh, think yeah. it's it's one of those trades where you know the people on Twitter would be like, Keenan Allen side of your contending, Deontay side if you're if you're rebuilding. But, <laughs> so you know, but yeah. no, I think I mean Deontay Johnson is is cool. I don't think he's. Uh, I mean, he's not as good of a receiver as uh, Keenan Allen, and I don't think he ever like will be. Right. I don't think he'll. I don't really see like. I mean, I guess if the right volume was there, um, he possibly could finish as like a wide receiver one. But I, I don't. Really, I think he's more of a wide receiver two type of guy. Yeah. Uh, but you buy it. But you get the years, and you get a pick. So yeah, you know. Yeah, to me, the trade made sense for Justin. I, I can't remember who it was, but like, I did not think Justin would let Keenan Allen go for that, and I'm like, well. I think Deontay Johnson is pretty good. He's he's like a mid tier, like season long for me. Like because uh, this will change depending on what the quarterback situation is there, or you know if he even remains on the team after his his rookie deal. But um, he's a mid he's a mid range wide receiver too for me, just because like his role is so voluminous. He gets so many targets from Big Ben, you know. So he's gonna be he's gonna be productive. And like you said, you about four years of age, and you get a second round pick. And Justin's situation, like with his team, I think that was a solid trade. Um, you gonna say something? Yeah, I was just gonna say, man. Like, I mean, and, and we've seen the numbers about like, if even if like you know, dude is like wide receiver fifteen instead of like wide receiver twelve, like it's not really right. a huge fall off between those two. You know what I mean? No, so, you're talking about like a like less than a point per game, a point or two per game. It's very marginal. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. All right, and then for the other opposite side, then 
um, business guy. Uh, he received Keenan Allen, and you're going to talk about another one of his trades too uh, soon. So let, actually, let's just go through, and I'll circle back on that. All right, so, you, you know, a business guy like that. So business guy receives Tyler Lockett and Slayton um, in exchange for Marvin Jones, uh, Traquan Smith, and a 2023 first. To me, when I saw this trade, I thought it was Tyler Lockett in exchange for a 2023 first because – All those other players are zeros. Yeah, just yeah, nothing. Fluff, like trade fluff, you know what I mean? Yeah, all those other players are zeros. Marvin Jones could have some value because I guess there's, a, there's an outcome where he leads the, the Jaguars in receiving or something like that. I don't know because I don't know how good those other receivers are and what LaVisca Chenault's role will be, but he's a, he's a zero. Like, dynasty purposes, he's like a throw-in player. Slayton is a fucking complete zero. Like, that dude's a zero. But... Ultimately, yeah, I agree. It's a twenty-three first for Tyler Lockett, which man, he's just one of the he's just one of the most interesting dynasty assets to me because I would sell him any day of the week for a future first. Uh, me too, and I think you know, I I actually like uh, I think when, see when people try to sell the Tyler Lockett thing, it's always like where he finishes yearly, mm-hmm. but as a person who's like had him in a redraft league before, like on a week to week basis, man, it's like, you he's really don't me. want to start like talk. Yeah. Like yeah. if he's like your third or if like he's your a third flex, or a flex. Yeah. Yeah. He can win you a week or two. Cause he's going to have like those super like boom games, but like, I wouldn't want him to be like my wide receiver too. Hell no. I, I wouldn't want him to be my wide receiver too, bro. And like, if you draft well, structurally, Unless it's like a start three wide receiver league, like I don't even really want him in my flex because I think they're just safer weekly options or options that offer, you know, similar upside that won't bury you with a six point game. Yeah. You know, I'm I don't I don't like Tyler Lockett. I, I, the benefit of Tyler Lockett, you know, and and how you can sell people on him, you know, being worth the first round pick is his annual finish. I think he finished at wide receiver eight. Or something like that. Also, people need to understand that with the infusion of wide receiver telling the NFL, all these dudes that like finish as top twelve or top ten wide receivers with these twelve hundred yard, eight touchdown seasons, that's gonna be more difficult to do. Like you wanna focus more on like game by game, points per game, and focus on like some ascending talents with a bit more upside as opposed to like these old guys. But like I was saying, He's tied to Russell Wilson, um, at least for the foreseeable future. We'll see what Russ does at the end of the season if he kicks up these trade rumors again or that he wants out rumors again. Um, but he, he he inked a multi-year deal for like $70 million. He's going to be in Seattle. So he has security, and he's 28. So I guess I just – I would have tried to get him for cheaper or if I was going to send a future first-round pick, I would have tried to get, you know, a younger asset, especially with that team. But it seems like he's he's more so loading up for – uh, competing this year and next year. All right, next trade, bro. How many more of these do we got? Because we only got a few more minutes left on the pot. Two. All right, bet. Perfect. All right, let's go. So, um, the entrepreneur <laughs> said he uh, sent Chase Claypool in a 2022 first uh, in exchange for Joe Mixon. We have been hey. hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok, and flat out deceived. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I you know I like I uh, during the season last year I wasn't like a huge fan of of, of Claypool, 
but uh, just doing a little more like uh, digging in the off season. I kind of like have landed on the other side of that, and I actually like like Claypool. That's somebody who I would have been interested in acquiring. Um, and at first, you know, yeah, I probably wouldn't have sent that for Joe Mixon, but I like you know, I I'm a I think Joe Mixon is very talented too, you know, uh, but. Yeah, I uh Yeah, yeah. You, I I don't know about that one. Yeah, you you know how I feel about Joe Mixon. I, I think Joe Mixon's one of the more talented uh running backs in the NFL. Um I think he's a top eight talent at the position, like a real life talent. Um but he's going into year five, uh behind a bottom five offensive line. I mean you could say they're bottom ten. And he's reached the top eight ceiling once in his first four seasons. Um, he's on—I mean, he's on a decline in terms of the dynasty value. And you just yep. send away two assets that are going to appreciate over time. You know, Chase Claypool's value is only going to go up, and the value of that first-round pick in the future is only going to go up. And the price on Mixon just wasn't that, bro. You could counter. You could. You you got to understand your league, and since he's new, he doesn't know the people in the league, but. Push come to shove, Buck has to give Mixon up for just a first flat. That's, yeah, that's all. I mean, that's 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 all he's worth. I mean, that's especially in our league because no ace of spades GM that's been in this league uh, for for any amount of time would ever send would ever send that deal for Joe Mixon, especially in a start one RB league. Nobody would ever do that. Yeah, I I agree, um, and I think. Uh, you know, I joked in the chat like right after it happened and said Buck would have had to um, take Claypool straight. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I would have tried to, I would have tried to press Buck like that is because I know, bro, you you wait too long and you're gonna be sending Mixon for a whole lot less. Oh yeah, so uh, or you, go ahead and take that. Or you, you're not gonna be sending him for anything. Yeah. You know, Joe Mixon goes into camp and they're like, oh hey, by the way, his foot's still sore. Yeah, nobody's sending you anything for Mixon. So you know the, the 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 GM the personalities in the league drive the market. So to join a league quickly and make so many transactions was maybe like a bit of a mistake for a new GM. But he, I mean, he inked up through twenty twenty three, bro. I mean, it's a it's a three year deal, bro. I told him welcome to death row records. I mean, he'll he'll figure it out eventually. But he he came in like really aggressive in the trademark because sometimes that's a bit dangerous before you understand your league and your league mates because. You know they'll they'll take advantage, and like I said, I don't think any any of the trades were super egregious, but I think he over I think he overpaid two out of three of those. Yeah, especially yeah, but not yeah. not horrible, not horrible trades. No, 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 yeah, no, just, no, just, no, just a much. yeah, just um, more than more than we would have paid for sure, more than any you know, more than any other GM would have paid, more than he had to pay. I should say that. And was that the last one, or was there one more? I can't remember. There's one more. There's right. your trade, actually. It's uh, uh yeah. Chubb for Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Man, Mamba going. Mamba losing fucking four. Yeah, my bad, man. It must nah, be somebody good. going to their apartment. No, nah, you good, bro. This podcast is wrapped up, bro. We just shooting the shit. Um, my boy Nicholas Jamal. Older the berry, the sweeter the juice. Nigga, it's the black of the berry, the sweeter the juice. Yeah, well, yeah. She blacking in the motherfucker, too. He blacking in the motherfucker, too? <laughs> I, bro, I, it, this was a struggle for me. I asked Isaiah for this trade about a week ago, and he was like, I need to think about it. And I was like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, I'll, I'll pull the trade, and I'll say, you think about it, and you let me know. 
And a couple of days went by, he didn't respond. And um, I had actually already made up my mind. I was like, you know, I'm just roll with Chubb because I think he has, you know, um, top six potential you know, like in his outcomes this year. Um, problem is like running backs who are age 25, 26, 27, they're getting up in years. Their dynasty value diminishes a bit. So in the event that Nick Chubb, even if he goes out there and has a great season and he puts up a top eight finish, it's just going to be really difficult to move him for, you know, a 22, 23-year-old running back on a good offense like Clyde. And, you know, I just took the hit potentially on the season-long production this year, assuming that Chubb outperforms Clyde Erzielaire and just bought the years uh, at the running back position because I think that's a bit more important, especially, like, how my team's built and the fact that I don't have any picks over the next couple seasons. But, yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel great about this trade after I made it, actually. And, you know, Chubb... As as a pure runner, he's, you know, top two in the league, and, you know, he could potentially be the best running back in the NFL from a pure talent perspective, a pure rushing perspective. And sometimes talents like that, bro, they play, you know, past that traditional age apex or the general age apex for players. And I talked to you about this offline. Nick Chubb isn't a, he isn't a bruiser. Like, he isn't a back that takes a lot of punishment. He's very much like a finesse back. Like, he, he's very uh, economic in his movement. Um and he knows when to accelerate, decelerate. He knows when to push the pile. He knows when to avoid contact. I mean, he's he's a super talented rusher. He could, he could play for a few more years, and it wouldn't surprise me. Um, if that's the case, and Claude Edwards-Hilaire is going out there getting ping-ponged by linebackers and getting stuffed at the goal line five times a game, I'm, I'm going to be very upset that I made this trade. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, I I understand. I understood the trade from, from both sides. And, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just if you hold on to Chubb for too long, it's just a tough sell after yeah. after a while. So uh, I, I got why you did it when, when you did it, but yeah, I definitely think that you know Chubb this year for sure outperforms uh, Clyde. Yeah, but for sure. I don't know; it's a possibility that that doesn't happen. But I think you know um, the concern about him getting stuffed at the goal line. Like I, I understand that too. I mean, because we definitely did see that last year. Yeah, definitely. He he also had Clyde also had some really bad touchdown luck, and they don't run a traditional offense, you know, where they're going to line up heavy personnel in the goal line and just give it back the ball. So he he's going to have touchdown potential regardless, just by you know the variation of formations that Kansas City comes out in, you know, all the touch passes and deception and motion that they use. He's going to get his opportunity within the ten. They don't, you know, so. I, I don't know. I, I I like him as a talent. You know, I drafted him and I, I wanted to get him back. I didn't want to pay. You know. Um, Nick Chubb to get him back, but you know I, f- I feel good about having him as a dynasty asset. I feel like you know it, he has more variance as a player because Nick Chubb's upside is capped by them having Kareem Hunt for the next two seasons, and he doesn't catch passes at a high rate. So uh, anyway, we can wrap up the show, bro, real quick. You know, since we're talking about that trade Isaiah and I made, you know, the two new GMs, two of the 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 three new GMs that have joined most recently, have made moves to bolster their rosters as opposed to being a little more patient and accumulating draft capital. You know, what do you think, real quick, about, you know, Isaiah's team and his chances? He's trotting out five fucking running backs. I mean, that's that's a very high volatility lineup uh, and, and really one that's built to win right now. How do you feel about that strategy coming into a league like ours? Uh, I mean, you know, um, I'm a lot more conservative, I think, than Isaiah is, you know, because I kind of look at, look at things and like, I, I would just hate uh, for my team to, to get old, you know, and I'm kind of like stuck with, you know, like 
I mean, Derrick Henry is going to retire on Isaiah's team pretty much at this point. Oh, for he's sure. Willing to give him give him away for free. For sure. You know? So I, like pieces like that. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, shit, go for it, man. Like if you think you can win, like you might as well. I think his, you know, looking at his team. Uh, uh I, I'm not sure that he can, but you know, I'm not mad at it. Like, I mean, anything could happen. I think for sure he's gonna be in the playoffs, and if you make it to the playoffs, like, you know, and uh, he has really good players. Yeah, he's yeah, de- so, he's definitely yeah. he's definitely gonna be in the in the playoffs. I mean, I I think, man, I don't know. I I think I'm I'm a little towards the other end on the spectrum on his team, but I I think. He he definitely doesn't have a top two team from a talent perspective, but I think his team is absolutely good enough to win. I mean, you look at the players that he has on his roster. I mean, Kyler Murray, if healthy, he's he's going to give you a top five finish at the QB position. Uh, Derrick Henry, if yeah. healthy, he's going to give you a top five finish. Nick Chubb's going to give you a top eight finish. When you have uh, players on your team with that type of ceiling, you don't need to um, – have a lot of depth or or high floor players throughout your season, uh, throughout the rest of your roster. You just need the, those guys to be serviceable. And if if Trevor Lawrence, you know, you know, if, if if he rushes as much as he's capable of, I mean, he could have you know potentially two, you know, top ten, maybe top maybe top eight quarterbacks on his team. I, I think it seems definitely good enough to win. You know, and there's there's a lot of, of of things that change throughout the fantasy football season. A lot of a lot of injuries and you know a lot of situations change. You know, so so what we project isn't always what the result is. But yeah, I agree that the strategy is very ballsy, right? Like I, I'm not I'm not even that aggressive. Like when I have a middling team, I, I don't like to go all in. Elmo built that team so well structurally that Isaiah could kind of afford to send you know, a bit of margin on trades to get players like Derrick Henry because Elmo set that team up so well. He had some expendable draft capital, but I probably w- would have gone in a different direction and tried to strike like next year or the year after just based on how the team was set up. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I probably would have, uh, yeah, I would have been a little more patient. Um, it's because I think there are like some holes yeah, there, definitely, that, definitely. That he needs to fill. Yeah, and I don't think he really filled him with the trades that he made. No, but, uh, so no, for sure, because he he gave up a lot to get he gave up a lot to get Derrick Henry, and maybe he should have addressed like tight end uh, because I don't think that deal was too far off from being able to acquire like a player like Noah Fant or something like that, like a serviceable tight end, somebody that will offer him like the floor ceiling that you need at that, at that onesie position. But yeah, it remains to be seen. I think his team's good enough to win, but from a talent, uh, from a talent perspective, but from a construction, a roster construction standpoint, that team probably needs a little bit of work. Anyway, that's the show. Um, yeah. Anything else? Don't get Troutman. <laughs> Go get Adam Troutman from, from Kurt. Um, yeah, this was just a shooting the shit podcast. Just wanted to put something on air because, you know, I, I want to get away from taking multiple weeks off at a time and training camp is approaching next week. So we'll start kicking these up. So if it got a little, you know, long winded throughout the middle, that's our bad. We, we didn't really prepare or, or put anything together for this show, but hopefully you guys still enjoyed it. I'm still going to do the pro- projections episode sometime soon. Maybe I'll do it on next Saturday's pod or I'll do a pod in the middle of the week uh, to get that episode out of the way. So everybody, please send me two players from your roster that you would like me to bake out projections for for the upcoming 2021 season. As always, thanks for listening. Please tune into the next show. Oh, Kurt, I forgot to say. It's up there.
and it's still stuck there. Peace.